Hello and welcome once again to another session of African History Blog. During the last post, we were actually talking about the rise of nationalism in Africa and uh, we spoke about how the First World War and the Second World War was actually one of the fundamental effects for this uh, rise in nationalism throughout the continent. Now, uh, at the last part, we spoke about how today our topic was going to be the effect of pan-africanism to the rise of african nationalism in africa itself now when we talk about pan-africanism there are usually three names that are associated with it mostly uh there's henry sylvester williams there's w.e.b dubois and there's uh, marcus garvey obviously now a lot of credit goes to sylvester williams himself who was an indian barrister originating the idea of pan-africanism in itself an ideology consisting of two key elements that means a common heritage for the people of african descent all over the world and the incumbency of african people to work for the interests and the well-being of one another everywhere now sylvester williams he was alarmed by the frantic extension of colonial rule all over Africa and then he decided to summon Africans to a meeting in 1900 to protest these actions to the British government and also to appeal the decent British people to do all they could to protect Africans from the depredations of the empire builders whom if you have been following the, the previous post you will know who I'm talking about. Now the meeting in itself gave birth to the word pan-Africanism to dramatize the need for them to work together to ameliorate the conditions facing the people of color uh, in Africa and out of Africa. Shortly after the meeting, Sylvester Williams himself returned to the West Indies where he died within the year. Now the responsibility to the work that had begun uh, uh, had to go to W.E.B. Dubois, an African-American intellectual and a political social activist. Now it is ironic that in a sense, a pan-Africanic movement embodying the unity of African descent, of people of African descent, had its origins outside of Africa, specifically in the United States and in the Caribbean. Anyway, uh, 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 Dubois himself felt that black people in the, in the New World, in order to free themselves from racial discrimination and rampant racism, must reclaim their African roots and become proud of their heritage. Because if you are not proud, and you don't know where you're coming from, then you're always going to be oppressed. That was his logic. So he believed that people who are neither proud or who are not aware of where they come from could not successfully combat negative stereotypes being heaped upon them by other racial groups. Dubois was moved to revive the Pan-African movement by two factors. One was the important information coming out of Africa that showed that Africans were being severely mistreated for resisting colonial exploitation, especially in Belgian Congo. Uh, we saw that in the previous post similarly. Reports also indicated that Africans refusing to sign up for labor were being physically tortured and mutilated by uh, uh, King Leopold II and, and the other kings after him, obviously. Now, Dubois felt that something had to be done to stop the brutalization of Africans. The second factor was the need to seek some recognition for important contributions that African veterans had made in World War I. Only European veterans were rewarded generously for their efforts, while Africans who had fought valiantly and helped liberate German colonies were not honored in that way. Also mentioned in the previous posts, if you have been following out. If you haven't, I will recommend you to go back and... Uh, read the previous post and listen to the podcast to understand what we're talking about better <clears throat> now more specifically 
Dubois wanted the European powers to adopt a charter of human rights for Africans as a reward for the sacrifices that they made during the fight uh, uh, of the First World War for the Allied powers. Now, in 1919, a Pan-African conference, which was the first of five of such conferences organized by Dubois throughout his lifetime, would have not actually taken place in Paris had it not been for a prominent African, Blaise Diagne of Senegal. He was actually the first African to serve in the French Parliament, and uh, he used his influence with the Prime Minister, with the French Prime Minister, to secure permission for the conference to be held. Now, the Allied powers during that time had assembled to sign the Treaty of Versailles, uh, uh, and they were not sympathetic to such a large gathering and meeting of black people, especially the United States. The United States were afraid that Dubois might use the International Forum to publicize the lynchings of black people in the United States. The Europeans also on their side they did not want any negative publicity associated with the brutal and repressive actions of their governments in African colonies. And none of the Allied powers wanted the sterling accomplishment of black soldiers to be highlighted by this gathering for fear of offending the white soldiers and the European public who did not feel like the Africans deserved to be put in the same place uh, uh, as the white soldiers. Now, obviously, this was mentioned previously also and I enunciated the reasons before. Now, this conference actually and the next four that Dubois organized influenced the growth of African nationalism in many significant ways. Dubois was actually prophetic when he predicted in his book in 1903, The Souls of Black Folk, that the major issue of the 20th century was going to be one of race. And we still see that today, obviously. Well, like most intellectuals, Dubois felt that the prejudice and racism towards people of color was based on ignorance. So much negative and false theory had been written about Africans to justify colonization that most people in the Western world actually thought that Africans were worthless, had no past and had no contribution to human civilization, which we know by, far, by, by now that it was obviously false. So Dubois himself felt therefore that it was important for Westerners to be educated in this light. He spent his life as a scholar activist articulating issues that affected Africans globally. It was unfortunate that in the United States, the Pan-African movement was marked by intense and bitter rivalry between Dubois and Marcus Garvey. Unlike Dubois, actually, Marcus Garvey was a racial purist. He had deep disdain for blacks like Dubois who had a mixed racial heritage and uh, he felt that the best way to redress the tribulations of black people was to return to Africa. Now, unlike intellectuals who believed that all people were basically good and could be made to love others through education, Marcus Garvey was actually a doer. Using the slogan of Africa for Africans at home and abroad, Garvey founded the Universal Negro Improvement Association, the UNIA, in Jamaica in 1914 and then moved it to the United States in 1916. He hoped that the UNIA would become a powerful mass movement with the goal of returning to Africa to establish an African kingdom in Ethiopia which would rival the grandeur of any white civilization that had ever existed. Now, he started a series of business ventures including a merchant ship and he also adopted a flag for the black race, the red, black and green, which is like the flag of Pan-Africanism till today. He also introduced an African national anthem set to martial music that spoke of Ethiopia as the land of our forefathers, which our armies were poised to rush to liberate. And he also founded a newspaper which was called The Negro World, published in English, in English, French and in Spanish. Now, it's not that, that uh, 
Gavi, he he was attached to Ethiopia because it was probably the only African land uh, uh, territory which had not been colonized. Now, Gavi himself had charisma and commanded a huge following among black people in the United States as well as in Africa. He pressed, he pressed the Allied powers to let him have the former German colonies in Africa so that he could show the world what black people were able and capable of doing. He was confident that in the UN, in the UNIA, they could develop the so-called mandated territories far better than the Europeans and South Africa ever could. Now, remember that during that time, South Africa was granted the mandate for, for, for Namibia. Now, if the Allies would not give him control over the mandated territories, he insisted that he would have to oust them by force. Now, despite the obvious fact that Gavi did not have an adequate military force to seize any part of Africa, his threats were enough to make sure that no imperial power actually permitted him to set foot on the African soil. Under the penalty of a huge fine and a long sentence and a long prison sentence, the Negro world was banned. Remember, the Negro world was uh, his newspaper. It was banned in much of Africa as a, subver as a subversive document. His relationship with the U.S. black elite, who did not subscribe to his racial purism or political radicalism, continued to deteriorate because of his convictions. Eventually, he was convicted for mail fraud in connected with his business activities and after serving a short sentence, he was deported back to his native Jamaica, where he was able to re he was unable to reverse the 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 rapidly declining fortunes of his organization. Despite his personal and legal difficulties in the United States and the eventual eclipse, Marcus Garvey is credited with psychologically rehabilitating the color of black instilling in black people all over the world keen awareness of the african roots and creating a real feeling of international solidarity amongst africans and persons of african uh, descent in the meantime we were talking about dubois and dubois actually continued his strategy of holding international conferences now the 1919 pan-african conference concluded with the petition to the allied powers to replace former german colonies under international supervision in order to prepare them for self-rule and uh, and uh, independence the league did in fact adopt a mandate system a measure that conformed to the spirit of his intention and of his petition a resolution was also adopted demanding that European powers protect Africans from abuses of all sorts and set up a bureau under the League to make sure that legitimate demands of Africans were being met. Now, the Pan-African Conference demanded more. They also demanded that education should be provided, that slavery, uh, uh, forced labor and corporal punishment be allowed, and that some form of political participation be permitted for African people within their own countries. Now, these were moderate demands, actually. The 1921 Pan-African Conference was conducted in three sessions, held in London, Brussels, and Paris, respectively. The first session in Paris, obviously, reiterated the same demands in 1919. However, this time, the demands were backed by an eloquent assertion concerning the inherent quality of human beings. This declaration to the world delivered by the, uh, the conference president Dubois is worth quoting. Uh, 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 some part of it anyway now i quote the absolute equality of races physical political and social is the founding stone of human advancement no one denies that there is a difference of gift capacity and attainment amongst individuals of all races but the voice of science religion and practical politics is one in denying that god appointed existence of superior races 
or of races naturally and inevitably eternally inferior to another exists so the point of what he was saying was that despite the fact that there is a difference between the the, the capacities of uh, of individuals from all races not only from the white or from the black race, from all races it does not mean that uh, 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 all races are not equal now all races are equal in his light and that there is no such thing as a god appointed superior race or an inferior race now, the second session of the conference was moved to Brussels and immediately ran into controversy, obviously, because it was in Belgium. And we all know uh, what Belgium had done during colonialism. Now, the Belgian press alleged that the conference was a communist-inspired uh, conference and that if allowed to take place, it might incite Africans in the Belgian ruled Congo. The session was finally allowed to meet, albeit briefly, uh, only to endorse the resolutions and statements already passed by the earlier one. Now, the third session was moved to, 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 to Paris, obviously, where it was chaired by Monsieur Blaise Diagne of uh, Senegal, which I mentioned before was a member of uh, the French parliament. He actually attracted a large number of Africans from French colonies. Here, once again, the demands for reforms were affirmed, and in addition, Dubois was chosen to represent uh the the africans in yet another petition to the to the league of nations asking the league to look into the treatment of african of people of african descent all over the world and to set up a mechanism for ameliorating the appalling conditions these sessions were held in the capitals of three european countries with colonies in africa in order to sensitize them to situations obtain uh uh, uh happening in intercolonies inter now in 1923 the Pan-African Conference was held at the time when Dubois' rivalry with the Marcus Garvey's organization, the UNIA, was at its height, at its peak. So the attendance was much smaller than the previous Pan-African Conferences, although the session in London was addressed by prominent British socialists like Lord Oliver and Professor Harold Lasky. In addition to, the, to reiterating the previous calls for colonial reforms, these sessions were... Uh, also called for due process including jury trials for africans accused of crimes in colonies and more importantly an end to the lynchings in the united states which was very rampant at the period uh, uh, for those who don't know lynching means uh, you are without trial or anything you are caught by a mob and you are hung to a tree and uh, usually burnt or something that is it's a very brutal of execution and it was very common to uh, 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 in the united states uh, uh, Africans were African Americans were, were were highly subject to this. Uh, anyway, because of well, I recommend you guys to read on lynchings. Uh, it's it's a very brutal but uh, uh, enlightening part of uh, African American history. It uh, it actually comes recurrently within uh, a lot of scopes. Anyway, because of studies and the reports indicating that forced labor and virtual slavery existed in Portuguese colonies, Duba and his colleagues decided to hold the second session of the 1923 conference in Lisbon, the capital of Portugal. The hope was that the session might be able to link up with and provide some support to the few Africans who were studying in Portugal. In 1927, the Pan-African Conference was held in New York. New York City in the United States. Several events of some significance to the black community were occurring during this time. First of all, Marcus Garvey's UN uh, 
IA was nearly collapsing and an end to the bitter and diversive rivalry between Dubois and Gary was imminent. Secondly, the supreme ruler of the Ashanti people of Ghana, Kimprempe I, who for four years had been exiled to the Seychelles Islands for refusing to cooperate with the British, but, uh, was allowed to return home. Remember, I mentioned this in the previous post uh, during the, 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 the rebellion uh, against the, the British in Ghana. I mentioned that he was exiled for, for like 90 years or something or more. Now, it lifted the morale of conferences and added statutes to the convention that the Ashanti king sent representatives to the New York meeting. Thirdly, the imminent economic depression of the United States saw financial contributions to Dubois. To Dubois' work dwindled to a trickle. His financial work had gone, his financial revenues were going down like most of that of people in the United States. He had relied for financial support on the small but loyal African-American middle class, which was so soon threatened by economic ruin, so they could not afford it anymore. Before the world community could, refer, could recover from the depression of 1929 to 1937, it was plunged yet into another major war. Now, Dubois' desire to hold the next Pan-African Conference on African soil had to be put off indefinitely as economic conditions in Africa were even more grim than those in Europe or in the United States. Also, the French government got wind of Dubois' plan and adamantly opposed any of such gathering held in his colonies. It was not until 1945 that the next Pan-African Conference was held after the end of the Second World War. Uh, elaborate preparations went to, into the 1945 Pan-African Conference to be held in Manchester, England. More Africans were involved in it than ever before, London being the centre of a very large number of African students studying in Britain at the time. Now, the conference committee was chaired by Dr. Peter Milliard of British Guiana and T.R. McConnell of British Guiana similarly, who was, a who was the treasurer. George Padmore from the West Indies and Kwame Krumah from Ghana were political secretaries in 19. 45, Peter Abrams from South Africa and uh, the publicity secretary uh, Jomo Kenyatta was the conference secretary. For the first time, actually, African political parties, trade unions, youth leagues, and the student associations sent representatives to the conference. The roster of the attendees included those representing the National Council of Nigeria and the Cameroons, the Labour Party of Grenada. Uh, the West Indies People's Party, the Nigerian Youth Movement, the Nyasalan uh, African Congress, which presented Malawi, and uh, the African National Congress, ANC of South Africa, and uh, the, Gold Coast Farmer, the Gold Coast Farmer Association from Ghana. The list of individual participants read like who is who of the black world and included besides the conference planners like Wallace Johnson of Sierra Leone, Chief Obafemi Awolowo of Nigeria, Chief H.O. Davis of Nigeria, G.E. Taylor, Ghana, Dr. Hastings Banda of Malawi, Miss Amy Ashwood Garvey, uh, representing the Jamaican women's movement at the time, and the uh, Jaja Wachuku of Nigeria. Some of these people actually went on to lead their own countries in independence. I'm sure you'd recognize like a couple of, of, of names there. In general, the gathering was the largest and the most representative Pan-African conference ever held. It was a crowning achievement for Dubois, then universally acknowledged as the father of Pan-Africanism. Actually, he flew in from New York to, to, to convene it because he was living there at the time. The deliberations of the conference were wider range in, in scope. Reports were represented 
uh, on the conditions of black people in Africa, the United States, the West Indies, and uh, also in Britain. Some resolutions reaffirmed demanded by the mid previous conferences, but not yet implemented by the colonial powers. Others expressed the solidarity of the people of African descent with their oppressed and colonized people, particularly the Vietnamese, the Indonesians, and the Indians who were at the time actively involved in their own freedom struggles. This Pan-African conference was important in several ways. As already noted, it was the best uh, attended by Africans from the, from the, the continent. Like I said earlier, and as you know, many of those who actually attended the conference went on to lead their countries to independence, becoming presidents, prime ministers, or cabinet ministers. It marked the transformation of Pan-African movement from a simple protest movement seeking, to, seeking moderate reforms, including the right to form a trade union, to be paid a decent wage, to vote for a representative in local councils, to obtain healthcare and housing, etc. It actually became a tool of African nationalist movements fighting for self-rule. The idea of independence was echoed throughout all the discussions at the conferences. Information was being provided about other struggles elsewhere in the world that were being waged at the same time uh, 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 by the colonial powers the Africans were facing, and the participants were able to draw some lessons that might be applied to their African struggles individually. These conferences allowed Africans in attendance to develop ties and relationships amongst themselves that helped them later organize their own people when they returned home. The African activists who attended the conferences said that they were inspired by the resolutions passed and encouraged by the moral support they receive from one another. When one looks at the first 45 years of this century, one can identify three important objectives of the Pan-Africanism, Pan each one coinciding with a specific time period. Pan-Africanism as a struggle began as a protest movement against racism endured by black people in the New World, slowly evolved into an instrument for waging an anti-colonial uh, struggle struggle which was dedicated to bringing about African rule in Africa and ended up as a dream or inspiration for African leaders and intellectuals who hoped that perhaps in the future African state might be federated as the United States of Africa. Indeed, Pan-Africanism was the inspiration behind the efforts of Dr. Kwame Krumah when, as soon as becoming the Prime Minister of the newly independent state of Ghana in 1957, immediately set about to convene the 1958 uh, 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 conference in Accra that will be called uh, uh, the Sixth Pan-African Conference. Kuma actually called it the All-African People's Conference. He attracted a new and more militant leader, uh, leaders like Patrice Lumumba of Congo, Felix Mumier of Cameroon, and Tom Boya of Kenya. Remember, I mentioned this All-African People's Conference in my podcast about uh, Patrice Lumumba, which uh, can be found on the, on the website if you go through it. Uh, the feeling of this new meeting was very buoyant the question then was not whether all of africa was going to be free but how soon in 1963 krumah emperor Haile selassie of ethiopia and gamel abdel nasser of egypt were instrumental in the founding of the organization of african unity a meeting forum of all the newly independent african nations Many ideological obstacles had to be overcome in this. There were conservatives and radicals amongst the independent African leaders. There were those who wanted a strong, uh, a very strong organization that would be the foundation for a continental government, and those who were interested only in the much weaker association of sovereign states. Major compromises had to be made 
and the organization of african unity ended up not being quite the strong continental organization that some wanted but certainly had an important symbolic step towards the dream of pan-african unity much has happened in the last 40 years actually and uh, the door optimism about the, the the eventual unification of the african continent is still there the organization of african unity remained a weak organization until it was replaced in 2001 by the african union however the dream of pan-african unity still lives on in africa at least in the rhetoric of african politicians and diplomats in the end the contribution of pan-african to the successful development of african nationalism and to the consciousness of people of african descent all over the world in helping them to secure a sense of connectedness with the african roots is quite significant and is quite original now that is the impact of uh, uh, pan-africanism in the uh, in the rights of nationalism in africa you see that it was like the 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 major stepping stone one of the major stepping stones uh uh for the rights of Af nationalism in africa which brought about the wave of independence and uh, all of the struggles that we're going to uh, uh, come across in our next uh, uh, uh article or podcast now i hope you guys enjoyed the post today uh you guys should like uh don't forget to subscribe uh, and drop any comments if there's any rectification or corrections that you want to be made or anything else any anything i'm, I'm always open and available i read the comments i go through everything so uh, make sure that you get to me in, in case of anything uh thank you for listening as usual and uh, i'll communicate to you guys the next pod, the next post or podcast soon uh you guys should have a great day and uh, thank you for subscribing on uh, african history blog